If we didn't get around to your calls, we will have time at the end of the show to uh, revisit the topic of what you would uh, what you would ask Ross Atkins on today's Zoom call if he could. What his plans for the offseason, plans for the Blue Jays. We'll also take a look at the uh, Houston-Chicago White Sox series and, uh, and just kind of wrap things up a little bit as, as the Dodgers and the Cardinals play the NL wildcard tonight and then we get into the get into the full teeth of a post. It's some great matchups. Houston and Chicago. Houston and Chicago, that's just got five, five games. Or it's a sweep asterisk. You know, to me, it's got five games written all over it, and it's going to be nasty because we talked about how when they managed other teams, Dusty and Tony didn't like each other. Mm. It would, God, when, when when Dusty managed the Reds and Tony managed the Cardinals, that Central Division that was like that was like a hockey division. Yeah. I mean, I, rem- I keep telling the story about I went to Pittsburgh to do a feature on 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 Russ Martin one time. Spent a weekend there. There were like nine guys hit in two games, and they were hit. And it wasn't like brushbacks. It was guys getting hit in the rear end, guys getting hit in the back. Mm. That division is full of teams that just hate each other. Yeah. Like not not dislike, they hate each other. So it, it, it'll be and, and Larusa and Baker were very much part of that. So it'll be interesting to see what this this series is like. And it's kind of an interesting matchup, right? The the White Sox live in velocity. They had like fifteen hundred more pitches, ninety five more than the next team. What do the Astros do? Contact, 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 contact. Yeah, it's going to be a great. Well, series. you know what the Astros do too? They they ambush. Pitches away. Be interesting to see if the White Sox can pitch in to the Astros hitters. That that's the thing is, you know, that that short porch when you go to the Crawford box, everybody don't want to pitch in there. Well, what's the Astros do? They dive out and they try to snap hook that thing to use that left field. Well, can the White Sox go yeah, against that and pitch into the to the Astros? Be I, interesting. I think it's gonna be a terrific series. Uh but the series that I think most people in baseball are looking forward to, to be honest, will be if 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 the L.A. Dodgers can somehow uh, can somehow beat the the St. Louis Cardinals, we've got a Dodgers Giants World Series, which is literally, to borrow a phrase from uh, the Arkells, years in the making. It's like it's not even years in the making; it's centuries in the making. In some ways, it seems. Ned Coletti is uh, the L.A. Dodgers TV analyst, former Dodgers general manager. He's one of our favorites, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Ned, thank you, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, early on the West Coast, um, you know. Look before we before we talk about the the Dodgers and the Cardinals, and 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 I really want to get your take as well on what exactly a general manager does in the postseason because it's always struck me as being <laughs> as, as as being maybe the most frustrating time for a GM in some points. What are your thoughts of what about what we saw from the Yankees last night? What we heard from them afterwards? Where do you see? Where do you see that team going? Are, are, are Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone both back next year? Well, uh, good morning, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right I, to uh, it, we jumped. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't really even speculate on that. You know, I watched, I watched American League here and there. I certainly, no club. But uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of uh, everything that they've been through, and uh, so I, I wouldn't want to speculate. Uh, I know Booney a little bit. I've known Cash for, I don't know, 35 years probably. So uh, I'll leave that to you guys, but I, I don't uh, I don't necessarily have 
Okay, Ned, let's ju- let's jump into the Dodgers. Uh, I got a couple of things. There's, well, there's a bunch of things, but let's start with who plays first for the Dodgers tonight, do you think? Well, uh, not sure yet. I think that uh, there's a chance Albert Pujols will start and perhaps Cody Bellinger comes in halfway through. Sometimes uh, you play offense early, defense late. Uh, and I, I, I say that in all due respect to Cody Bellinger season offensively shoulder surgery then a broken leg first week in the season so a lot of a lot of stop and start for uh, I, you know they do have options there and, and Albert has has played very well uh, released obviously by Anaheim and, and kind of got uh, rejuvenated uh, coming up the road to LA um, it'll be interesting he knows Wainwright obviously Wainwright knows him Molina knows him so uh, it'll be an interesting matchup, but you know they will miss Max Muncie for however else for a while. But they do have they're not they're not going to the twenty twenty six man to, to get a replacement either. They've got talent that will will run, at least give it a. a yeah, what what do you think the the Dodgers lineup as a whole their approach should be against Wainwright tonight? Well, I think it's. Um, if I if I heard you right, I think it's it's uh, going to be uh, a challenge in high pitch counts, and I think that's what their what their goal will be is to get him out and, and get into the bullpen before you get into the deeper part of their bullpen. And it's it's something that obviously knows weeks ago in St. Louis. He's 89, 90, 91 now. He's not what he was five, ten years ago. Uh, none of us are probably. But except maybe Jeff, but it's uh, it's Guarantee something that you know, they're going to have to work. Out. They're going to they're going to have to grind it out, and that's when they're at their best. You know what, uh, Ned? Some- Ned, we're going to call you back because we got a bad li- we got a bad line here. So we'll we'll call you back, and uh, we we appreciate your patience. We're going to get Ned back. Yeah, it's and, the uh, it's the, the I know the Dodgers have a, a veteran lineup that can control the strike zone. It's not going to chase. It's going to try and get their pitch to hit. But when you got a, a you know a, a mid eighties cutter, a mid eighties sinker, and that big old floppy flipping curveball that you can throw in any count, what do you look for? That's the question. Like that. That's why I think it's not going to be the easiest game here. You know, I, I still think the Dodgers will win it, but they're going to win it late. But how do you have quality at bats against Wainwright? He's got lots of confidence. Molina putting the fingers down has eliminated that. What is this, this? How many starts have they made together? A lot. I don't know the exact number, but it's it's a ton of games. And it just that the the way he sets hitters up and, and the way he looks at hitters trying to make adjustments to Wainwright, it's, you know, you, you, and Wainwright's the one guy that can move a hitter's feet a little bit. It can get him off his, uh, you know, off balance and, and get him – Get some easy outs that way on weak contact and then just be interesting. To look. All right. We've got Ned back. Ned, thank you very much for your patience. You were talking about the, uh, what the approach should be against Adam Wainwright for the Dodgers. Well, to really grind out a fast, that's when they're at their best. Uh, I've seen many first innings, 25 pitches in length. May, they may not even score a run, but they're going to, they're going to make somebody get into that 40 to 50 pitch range by the time they get six outs. I think that's, uh, that's characteristic of, of what they typically do. I think that's the goal tonight. Uh, both teams will have a little bit of a challenge because of shadows. Um, and Max actually pitched in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, not against Wainwright, but in the same series. 
and had uh, the shadow started to creep in about halfway through the game, which made him even more effective. Uh, he was outstanding in that game. Wainwright was outstanding pitching against L.A. So you've got two people that are that are kind of buddies off the field and have great respect for each other. A uh, little bit different pitchers at this stage. Max is still 97, 96, 97. Good, good hard slider change. And uh, and Wainwright is more more pitcher today than he's probably ever been, but uh, had a tremendous season. But it's really about I think getting into either side's early part of the bullpen, although Dodgers' bullpen is pretty strong. You could go six or seven deep before you're going to find somebody that, uh, you know, you get any confidence uh, from from a, a St. Louis standpoint as far as doing some damage against. But getting in, uh, getting Wainwright out of that game is what the Dodgers are going to have to try and do and do it as early as possible. Ned, you've been around the game a long time. How, how special is it to see that relationship between Yadier Molina and and Wainwright? You know, what the three hundred games that they've they've been been a battery, or that you know they've they've been on the field together. You you don't see that a lot now. I I don't know how much you would have seen it back in the day. That's that's an awful lot of of starts. And and it, how much of a of a difference can that make in this in this game? Well, I, I think it does have a chance to make a difference. Um, a lot of respect for both. Um, my my last two Dodger teams in 13 and 14, we played St. Louis in the NLCS and then in the Division Championship Series the next year in 14. Uh, got beat late in both both series as far as uh, in games and also in 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 length of series. Uh, the the way Molina catches and his, his really his brilliance behind a plate, not just in calling a game or framing or being able to block a ball instead of stabbing at it, not, not just that, but really just his, his ability to stop a tempo, uh, a tempo that is going against St. Louis. I've seen him do it so many times, whether it's walking to the mound, whether it's walking halfway, whether it's a conversation with a hitter. Uh, you name it. He's got all sorts of ways that, that he has figured out can disrupt an inning and stop an inning. And and that's to me, is almost genius on his part. Uh, Hall of Fame catcher. Uh, you know, I, I could usually measure how much, uh, how good a player is by how much I don't like watching him play <laughs> from the opposition. You know, I don't like watching him on the other team, you know, <laughs> so... He's, he's that kind of guy, and you know that is a, an advantage that, that St. Louis has as long as those two are both in there. That's that's uh, something that you don't see much. Maybe you know years and years ago, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, maybe something like that. Uh, but but not very often do you see a catcher and a pitcher spend their entire careers with in the same organization and, and be at the top of their games, which they both are. Dodgers winning the game in the ninth. Who gets the ball? Kenley gets the ball in the ninth inning, it's my guess, mm. um, with the lead. Kenley has had a couple missteps way back in July against San Francisco, but has really been outstanding since. With Kenley, it's all about syncing up the delivery. He's got a, a big delivery to him. He's got a long stride. As long as his delivery is synced up, he'll be very difficult. Uh, if the delivery's not synced up, then they'll have a chance. But uh, he's been excellent the last, uh, probably the last two months where he has been as good as anybody in the game. Uh, I think he's got 38 saves this year, fourth time he's done that. He's had four or five blown saves, but I think everybody's got four or five blown saves. It's not a lot more. Plus, he's got the experience of doing it. So uh, in that situation, I think, uh, I think Kenley's the guy in that inning. You've had a chance to see the Giants more than we have. How, how did the Giants happen this year? <laughs> 
Giants played about as clean as you could play. They make very few mistakes. They they also grind out at bats. Uh, they have a young bullpen that uh, they they kind of cobbled together as the season went on and found the right roles for everybody. They play hard. They play hard. They play smart. They never believe they're out. They also play a little bit with the old saying, a little bit with the house's money. Nobody expected them to, to win 107. People had them projected to win 75. Big analytic, uh, analytics crews had them winning 75 games. You know, they only missed out by 30-plus games. So, they play. They play that way. They played it with the same kind of mentality as as, Dodger, as Giant teams did in, in like the late '90s, and uh, and back into the '80s with Matty Williams and Robbie Thompson and guys like that. Uh, they just play it hard. They play it. They play it strong, and they they don't give anything up. And I think the three veterans, Posey, and, and Brandon Belt, who's out right now, and Crawford, uh, guys that have World Series championships uh, on their resume. Really, kind of solidified this group. They brought in, they bought into a different approach, more of an analytical look at things. Um, they're shifting for defensive purposes. May have been as as strong as any team in this league, and and they bought in. And I, I've heard from people inside that organization that, like like the old days, like well, you remember this, Jeff, probably covering the the Expos, where after games, guys would hang out. Yep. Guys would sit in that room and and talk for an hour or so, and 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 dissect the game in different situations. And that's what they have this year. I uh, wanted to ask you about the GM's role in the playoffs because I remember having uh, chatting to Alex about this the first time he got into the playoffs. And just about, the you know, it, it's like, I, I, I don't know how you would describe it because, well, I mean, what does a GM do in the playoffs? I know, obviously, you can't make a trade. You can't cut a guy, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there are some roster construction decisions that need to be made. What's a GM's role like in the playoffs? What's it like to kind of sit up and, and watch a game and go, God, there's literally nothing I can do right now. Like, I spent all Agony. year building this, and if we stink, I can't do anything. Agony. <laughs> there is nothing you can do. You know, uh, after a game, you go down and obviously go over what you just saw more so than you do in the regular season. You do it almost immediately after the game with your manager and coaching staff. But uh, there's not much you can do. You know, you've, you've set the roster with the manager and staff typically, and everybody's in agreement to who it is. You know what the lineup's going to be. You, you know how it's all um, laid out, at least. And then you know that every pitch is going to write its own story, and every pitch has got a chance to change history. Uh, you know, the pitch Mitch Williams threw Joe Carter uh, years ago still lives in history. So you've got you've got that, that dynamic to it, and so you do kind of agonize through it. I've been on teams that, that came back to win games late after being down a bunch. I've been on the other side of that, including with St. Louis and, and L.A. back in 2013 and 14, where leads evaporated, and nothing you can do. You know, except sit in the back of the booth or pace in the back of the booth or, or try not to be caught on television saying something you probably shouldn't be saying under your breath that that kind of creeps out. But it's uh, you know you 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 work all year for this. Teams that haven't been in the playoffs from the end of the last season, if not before, till these days, that's what you concentrate on. And even if you've been to the playoffs or you've been to the World Series as the Dodgers have been three of the last four years, they still look at this and, and, and have to get after it and know it. And, you know, it's, it's the best part of the year for me. 
and it's but it is it's it's an agonizing it's a great accomplishment that you agonize your way through i guess probably the best way of putting it what can you learn about players managers or even as a general manager yourself from the postseason is there is is it such a unique animal that you know you just there there's not much you can learn about it you can learn more about people from the regular season or is there you know that 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 pressure does that does that cause you to look at people differently, maybe even yourself differently? You know, I've probably done a hundred interviews in my career about the postseason. That may be the best question I've ever had, and the answer is absolutely. Um, first off, and I and I would tell our hitters this, and I I would tell them, I said, you are going to learn what your weakness is. If the, if a, if somebody can can make a pitch, if somebody has got good command and control. You're going to know what your weakness is because that's what they're going to pound in on you or whatever it is. They're going to use whatever they've got. You're going to know exactly what your weakness is because you've got people that can pitch and you've got people that have gone over the analytics and gone over the reports and the video and their own experiences. So you're going to learn about yourself right then and there. And, of course, whether you're a manager or a general manager or coaching staff, you learn about your players. There are some players built for October. There are some players that can get you to October, but as soon as October shows up, you know they're not the same type of player. There's other players that are that kind of just go through a season and get some key hits, make some key plays, a key pitch right here or there. You get to this time of year, they step it up. You find out who those people are, and uh, it's a great learning experience for everybody. You see how your manager is. You see how your coaching staff is. You see really how your third base coaches. You see how they manage pitching particularly the pitching. How do they manage it now compared to how they've managed it in the past? And are they, are they up to the task of doing it? Uh, and you learn everything. I think every team, well, maybe not in these days because you've got a lot of teams that bail out, but every team builds itself to get to these, this, type of, this time of season. And unless you've been here, you don't necessarily know what it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, how your players are going to perform. In it because and it's not just perhaps one at bat or one inning of pitching. It's it's through the course of of time, and if it is only one at bat and only one inning of pitching, then certainly your team has probably gone out early. But to to win it all, you're going to have multiple opportunities to evaluate, uh, to read the human out the human aspect of of each athlete, each each person in the decision making role, including the athletes who are constantly in decision making uh, situations, pitch by pitch. So it's a great education. It's, that's a great question because, it, to me, it's the most educational part of a season. A playoff game is not the equivalent of one game in the regular season. It might be ten games in the regular season. Uh, there's a, you know, we, we saw Alex Corey yesterday be very aggressive with Nathan Uvalde uh, and very aggressive going to the bullpen. As a GM, do you like when, – when you're in the postseason – do you like your manager to be the same guy he was during the regular season, or do you like to see you know a little bit of aggressiveness? I know Tom Verducci, I think, wrote about this that there you might see a lot of aggressiveness this postseason when it comes to to pitching because a lot of teams are, you know, a lot of teams that got in here, some of them don't have as many starters healthy or as as ready as you'd like. They may be going to the bullpen earlier. You know, we saw Alex Cora use Pavetta and Eduardo Rodriguez in relief to to win game one sixty two. Do you like? aggressiveness in a manager at this time of the year, or would you rather have your manager be the same guy he was on May 25th? 
I think his personality has got to be the same as May 25th. I think you do have to manage with a little bit more um, emphasis on pitch to pitch. And I think it's uh, it's a very uh, going to be a very interesting postseason, in my in my opinion, because you went from 60 games to 162. There's nobody that's not tired. There's nobody that's not mentally fatigued. And they, if everybody had played 162 for the last decade, you'd still have that aspect to it, that you've gone from 60 to 162, and you know where your pitchers are at, especially your pitchers. It's not so much sometimes it's injury and, and being able to have endurance from a physical standpoint. Sometimes it's, it's does the stuff play. Does the stuff hold all the way through 200 innings, 180 innings, or 80 relief appearances and 90 innings out of the pen in high-leverage situations? So you've got to know everybody, and you've got to go in with a game plan as best you can to kind of script it out a little bit at least to know what you're going to do and, and to know when you're likely to see maybe uh, maybe an arm slot change for your starting pitcher, which is telling you that you, know, you better have somebody up and you better have somebody hot. And I think that you you almost manage it, not quite pitch to pitch, but but pretty close to pitch to pitch, which during the regular season, you don't do that. But the personality of the manager, I think, has got to be the same. The actions, the decision-making, yes, kind of fine-tuned and and turned up a notch. But as far as who the manager is and how they – how they go about their day and how they how they discuss different things with different people, especially in the heat of battle, that should be the same. Ned, really good of you to join us. Terrific insight as always. Thanks so much. Great stuff. You're welcome. Love being on with you guys. Stay Take well. Care. Thank you. That is Ned Coletti, LA Dodgers TV analyst and uh, former Dodgers oh, general manager. That was unbelievable. Oh, that that insight about the manager and you know pitch the pitch kind of thing and. All of a sudden, when I'm listening to him talk, how much pressure there is on managers. You know, regular season, if you have more talent than the other team, you're probably going to beat them more times than not. Playoffs, it's sort of like an even playing field. Well, and what Ned said, the line that really stuck with me, and think about this, every pitch could be history. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you this as a hitter, because Ned's point also about the postseason you can learn about hitters is you will learn what your weaknesses are, because that's... They're not, you know, you got one game. They're not going to fiddle around and try to set you up for something. They're going to go right at your weaknesses. You know that an organization, especially when you get to the World Series, there's all the eyes are on. There's like 15, yeah. I don't know how many eyes on every player in that team. So if you're a hitter and you got a weakness. Yeah, well, like Bogarts last night was selling out for a spinner. Spinner is not as hard as a fastball. Been struggling with the fastball. Athletic position, getting the barrel out in front of the plate. For whatever reason, it could be a mental thing. And he goes up there adjusting and saying, if I have a chance, I'm going to have to sit on something. And when you get it, you can't miss it. That's just, it's pretty cool to, to hear and see and talk about both sides of it. You know, Ned, you can see Ned, picture him as a GM, just walking the floor, can't look at the field. He's like, who do I, who do I pay attention to? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, he's, he didn't even mentioned the third, third base coach. Wonder yeah. why he mentioned that. Yeah. Are you watching the game last night? It's little, right, because he's the one guy you're seeing out of the coaching staff all the time, besides the first base coach, is the third base coach. And normally when he's doing that arm swing, it it's a big deal. So, yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of pressure on on managers this time of the year to, to perform and get these teams where they want to go. Yeah, I think it's uh... – yeah, I, I, I've come around to your point of view about the manager in the past in the past couple of years, and and it's it's got it's not all necessarily to do with analytics. I just think that 
there's so many now there are so many voices in a player's ear in season and out of season and and so much information available to him that I I really do think as you say the manager's job during the regular season is to try to keep every not keep everybody happy but what what, what was it that communicate somebody said is keep the guys who hate me away from the guys who really like me <laughs> right that's 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 one of the thing managers do is make sure that the guys that really like him you know that that there's that separation there mm-hmm. but yeah it is it's about communication it's about maintenance it's about trying to ensure that whatever crisis there is doesn't percolate yeah. down down to the clubhouse but then when you, you're right when you do get to the postseason and now well look you we made I, the point about alex clout you got to have enough clout to go out there and see that nathan avaldi's got 70 exactly. pitches dominate the team now he's giving up a couple hits but you got to have you got to have enough clout to walk out there and, and hand put out your hand and that pitcher's okay giving you the ball yeah like you got to be well respected enough to do that so there's two different seasons for managers yeah there's a playoff season, and then there's a, there's a regular season season for them, and they, they manage it way differently. We, uh, as we mentioned, Ross Atkins will do his media availability at 2.30 today. We had some, uh, we had some interesting calls uh, about what folks would like to ask Ross if they were in on that Zoom call. And uh, I want to go back to the lines, the 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. 590-590 is the text line. A lot of folks have texted in. I'm going to dispatch Mr. Mark Boffo. Or look at him. He's beavering away. I'm going to dispatch him to uh, pull up some of the best texts and read them. And then we can react to them. But we'll also take your calls. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dodgers. I'm with you. They'll be close, though. Seventh, eighth, ninth inning, Dodgers fans are going to be holding their breath when Kenley Jansen comes running out and the cutter ain't cutting. I would kind of – the only the reason I would really like to see the Cardinals win is I'd love to see Tyler O'Neill get into the get into the postseason, the Canadian kid who's had, who's had a really good year. Watching the game tonight, keep an eye on him. Yeah, By yeah. the way, and Bark, Bark, he is – the shot of him with his shirt off. Remember when he hit the walk off and he rips his shirt off? Dude exactly is ripped. Exactly like me right now today. No, he's not. <laughs> he's got a 12-pack. He doesn't have a six-pack. He's got a 12-pack. Uh, yeah, it's amazing that he's limber enough to still hit balls that hard to the pull side. And I remember when I used to try and lift weights. You know, when I played, it was get bulky, strong, yeah. way on the ball. Put all your leverage into it. And then I tried to do it, and I'd spin myself in the ground because I was about as limber as a – as a tree, yeah, it's impossible. So to so to see him do that, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's a remarkable athlete. If you if you haven't, and I know there's a lot of baseball fans out there. Of you know, I'm sure you've seen the Cardinals play, but he's he's had a really good year. And this is a guy that going into the year, there were some questions as to whether as as to whether or not he'd have a full time job in the outfield because the Cardinals were mm. full of outfielders. Well, he certainly put those to rest, and uh, that that'll be fun. I'm look I'm I'm looking for yesterday's last night's game. I, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, Yankees Reds. I, yeah. I got yeah. Got to be honest. We me, me listen. We trying to watch that on mute was yeah. a real challenge for me. Put you down as not a big A Rod guy. I'm not even close to that. Like I, I just, I just don't get it. And and and, and then Matty V, you know the the what the third batter of the game when Stanton hit that little puff fly to left field didn't make it halfway up the Green Monster and he's yelling and screaming like it's a 
it's a you know the greatest home run that's ever been hit in the history of baseball. Right. I, I mean, he's know. there. Like it's not like he's calling it from home. Anyway, was that rude? Yeah, that was rude. I like Maddie V. I do too, but he's there. Like, I, I maybe. Hmm. But the the A Rod thing, holy moly! Like, For see, I don't get the I don't I don't get the A Rod hate. I I don't I don't. I, I just, but you know I, just, I don't I just don't get it. I guess I'm different. A lot of people. There are no announcers that I that I hate. Maybe it's because I know how hard it is maybe, to. Maybe it's there aren't. I just think everybody's everybody's pretty good, and I understand there's some that are better than others. And and that's you know I mean we're certainly spoiled in this city and 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 every one of our all our sports we're spoiled in this city and and I get it but I just yeah, everybody's you know everybody's trying to do their best and and not libel anybody and and I don't know I I just think I think we're always looking for something to bitch about I just I'm not we're always I, looking for something I'm not to bitch I just about. don't like him. How's that? <laughs> well, bam. There you go. 416-870-0590. Star 590. 1-888-666-0590. 590-590. The text line. Ross Atkins does his media availability today. You're right. A lot of you in social media. Jeff, he's not going to say. What's he going to say? I understand. He's not going to come out and give you all the state secrets. But let's just pretend that he was. What would you ask him if you had the chance? You're in the Zoom call and you're asked for your question. What do you want to know from Ross Atkins? 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. And here's the thing. It can't all be about Marcus Simeon and Robbie Ray, because I'll tell you right now, the answer is going to be that uh, we 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 love the contributions both both of them brought. They're integral parts of our team. They've been huge to what we've done this year. They have earned the right uh, to become free agents, and we uh, we are certainly interested in bringing both of them back. And I think it would be safe to say that we will be extremely aggressive in going after them. That's so. There you go. That's Robbie Ray and Marcus uh. Simeon. But there's got to be other things, you know. Like I, I, I came up with some. You know. Well, I have, I have one right, right, just in the rotation. Anything you've seen from Nate Pearson would tell you that Bingo. he could be a starter next year. I've got. I mean, some of the things I came up with. The first question is, what do you think? And what, by extension, does the front office think is the team's biggest weakness? Got to know that first. We have. I think we have an idea what the strength is. What, as you look back at the oh, year. Man. What is the biggest weakness? And it's not just enough to say, well, the bullpen sucked for six weeks. Okay, you address that. What is the biggest weakness? Mm. I think, and I know you're on the same page as me in this, I keep getting back to the fact that this organization wanted to sign Michael Brantley, that they spent all their time trying to add left that. Mm -hmm. They're looking for balance. Mm -hmm. That was the weakness at the start of the year. That was the weakness when the bullpen was going well. That was the weakness when the bullpen sucked. That was the weakness when 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 everybody got back there. That yeah, yeah. was the thing. That was the thing that 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 stayed out. Sort there. of don't want to turn into the Yankees. No, you there do not. It is. Do not want to turn into the Yankees. So I guess the other question is, uh, and can you address that biggest weakness even if you don't bring Semi and Array back? Uh, I've also thought, what can be done to ensure the team doesn't have similar early season issues with the bullpen? I don't think they will because the bullpen right now, yeah. you bring that bullpen back 
next year, it's better than last year's bullpen right away. Now, I'm with you. Got to add another swing and miss yeah, dude at the back no, end. You keep names out of it that shouldn't be in it. That's, the, what, that's the what ifs. Bring in some big leaguers. Well, they, they have big leaguers. Foot, they didn't to start the year. No, but they, I'm had to, saying, they had to put people in there that you'd never heard of. Right now, this bullpen is okay. Three or four of them are. Four, well, come on. Mesa, yeah. Romano, yeah. Simber, Richards. Cannot have a problem yeah, with those two, dudes. Two, two of the four there I don't want in the highest leverage situations. I'm okay. The Simber thing, again, the American League East, I guess. It's, it's, worked. it's trickery. It worked this year. I, I'm, I, yeah, I want more. Well, I'm with you. They're they're trying to win a World Series. We're not just thinking about meaningful games. Right. But the point is that the bullpen is better than than it was at the the start of this year. And anyhow, I don't want Kirby Yates. I want to see somebody somebody that I can have some certainty with. You know, we talked about the contracts for Vladdy and Teoscar. There are rumors that Teoscar turned down an extension last year. I've never been able to get to the bottom of that. I don't know how much, how, how far discussions got. But clearly, Teoscar Hernandez, you need to you need to do right by him. I can't put it any other way. I'm not saying you give the guy a gift, but Teoscar Hernandez, you spend a lot of time trying to turn this dude into the guy he is now, and I, I think you've got to you got to do, do right with, by him with the guys on that team that matter. We talked about the CBA impact. I think that's hugely important. Yeah, again, that structures everything in the off season. Mm-hmm. Charlie and the coaches. You know, I don't think there's any way Charlie doesn't come back to start the year. But I don't know. Do, 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 some, do some changes need to be made in the coaching staff? Um, I'm not, I, I will admit, I'm not around the team enough to know that. Usually every year I have my, I have, have an idea. I, yeah, I just don't. I, I, I don't this year. And, and, and luckily there are people who are much smarter than me. you see coaches having different roles next year? You could say that in that way. Maybe, yeah. Um, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ab- absolutely. Mm. I didn't mean to be that. Uh, you talked about plans for Nate Pearson. Yeah. Tell you the other thing that I need to see, I don't need to see the more I've thought about it, the more I like the idea of bringing Steven Matz back. I do too. I, 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 th- I really do. I think what Petey and Steven Matz has told everybody that watches Steven Matz, a lot of it was between his ears. He's got stuff. If he can control when the stuff goes a little uh, south off mm-hmm. the tracks and Petey's just the guy that can say, okay, when it goes this way, this was what you were doing. This is what I saw you were doing. I'm a good enough salesman that trust me that this, you think of this, this will get you back on track. Don't start going off the train tracks and trying to figure it out on your own. We already figured it out between starts. Got good enough stuff. And I think you can repeat that. No, oh, by the way, I think you can get better because the, the going being more efficient with two strikes, that's the deal with me. I, he throws enough strike ones, but when he gets to two strikes, what's his strike three pitch? Yeah. That's the question. He's a he's a, a slow curve, a change, a sinker guy, an elevated heater. Pick one of those with two strikes. Can I, can I get and hone in on one of those that I can be efficient with? Say I get ahead, it's 0-2. I don't want to nibble. I don't want to try and get him to chase. I go to my best one. Now it's a three-pitch out instead of a six-pitch out. That's how you go deeper in games. That's what you need to work on. But I like him too. Yeah, I he he won me over. He won me over down the stretch. Yeah, he, he, because there were plenty of opportunities, and I'll I'll raise my hand. I, the same thing as you. I thought Stephen Matz was every everything we heard about him coming over from New York. I kept saying, okay, when does he have that moment yeah. where he just craps the bed yep. and just melts down on the mound? And for the most part, he didn't. I mean, he still. 
Every now and then, the body language makes you want to grab him. He yelled at he, umpires. He, I kind of like that. I don't mind yelling. Yeah. I, what I don't like is the, the you know, the, the slumped shoulders, the the kind of the Jesus, here we go again thing. I, I, don't, I don't like that. Um, I like my pitchers to at least give me the idea that they're figuring, that they're thinking how to get out of this and that yeah, be in control. Like I, the, mm. We had a conversation with Curtis Joseph, the least goaltender. Curtis Joseph, when he was here, was famous for giving out the lamest, most boring post-game interviews. And it was always... You know, uh, optimistic guy. And his point was, yeah, I did that intentionally because I don't want my teammates to know that I'm worried or that I'm scuffling or that I don't feel good. I want my pitchers to give me the idea that, mm. hey, I'm not on today, but I am in control of this. And you're getting the best that I have in this day. And, 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 but, but Steven Matz, man, he, I, I thought he really grew with this team. Yeah, the John Olerud thing, which if you uh, 0 for 40, you look like you're 40 for 40. Yeah, kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah, I think that's that's easier said than done. Sure remember, it is. Remember, he's trying to reinvent himself in the American League East. Sure it is, but it's not the easiest thing to do. And you know, he went through some issues during the season with COVID, and yeah, that's he, a, that's he, a great point. He, he, look, that's I, a really I'm, good point. I, let's just put it to you: this this is just me. I'm okay with him on a championship team, which is what they should be next year. There you go. Absolutely, <laughs> that is. <laughs> I, I would have no problem having him in this team, and he's cheap, and he's cheap. Er. Er. <laughs> Which is always important. Yeah. Mark Boffo, our producer, has been scouring the text line. 590-590 is a text line. Uh, and again, the numbers are, we still got time. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 590, one 590 And as we said when we started Blair and Barker, I mean, I want this to be, want this to be your show. And it's a, it's a chance for you to talk. You don't have to t- just Jays. You can talk to Barker about baseball. And as we go along, we're going to work a few more segments in in in, in that regard. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's your show. We're here talking baseball with baseball people. But I like to think that those of you who are listening to this, either by podcast or wherever the hell you're listening to it, um, that you're baseball people, and uh, this show is for you, Mister Boffo. Okay, let's start off with Matt from Burlington. What do you think of his question, guys? How do you? This is what he would ask Ross. How do you plan on strengthening the bullpen next season? Does Pearson move back to the bullpen full-time ah. at the start? Or do you pursue a big free agent arm who can light up the radar, radar gun in late-inning situations? Oh, Barker, you go first. Both. Oh. I, like, I like Nate Pearson in the bullpen. I think he can be a high-leverage guy. Maintaining velocity with a third pitch on the mound as a starter – Mentally, if he has a bad start, I just don't think he's capable of doing that. But I do think he can throw 102 consistently out of the pen, pitching high leverage situations. And I add another one for experience. So that way, if he does have a little hiccup, we can back him off, give him some lower leverage situations, get him more confident. I got us all figured out. I, I, I think it, I mean, I'm with you. I don't know if the Blue Jays will view it and, and will view it this way. But we had him on. What did he say? I want to be in the majors next year. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, I still look at myself as a starter, which, which he's going to say, because mm-hmm. he's not going to close the door on anything. But I view myself as someone who should be in the majors. I, I think it's really easy with Nate Pearson. One, either you use him in a trade to get somebody like a Jose there Ramirez, but leave that, leave that aside for a minute, because there's too many things that need to happen for that to happen. Uh, but the other thing is, if I'm not going to trade him, 
Nate Pearson won't know what his role is next year until I got my team set. And it could be. Maybe via trade or via free agency, we weren't able to add another starting pitcher. Then we have a discussion about it. Maybe we have added another starting pitcher. Then we put, and we need help in the bullpen. We put Nate in the bullpen. I, I, I just think at this point in time, he's not a kid anymore. Mm. He throws 102. I'm not interested in seeing him become a four-pitch guy. I, I, I'm just not. Yeah. I, I want to win the World Series next year. Bam. What, what is Nate Pearson? Where is he going to contribute? Is he going to contribute throwing 101 out of the bullpen and being used as a swing and miss guy? Or am I going to have to go through this whole thing with him learning to start? And mm-hmm. is it going to be four? And I see, I don't. When when I put Nate Pearson here, when I put Nate Pearson out next year early in the regular season. I want him to go out and get me two strikeouts. I don't want to have his first appearance in the regular season to be in Boston and I'm sitting there with my fingers crossed, please, God, yeah, yeah. please me, give me four and a third innings. I don't want that anymore. Bottom line for me, his 96-97 doesn't play at the big league level for whatever reason. I haven't Agreed. stood in there on it and, and seen it, but the hitters will tell you that his 102 consistently, 101, 100, that's playing. And if he give me that most of the time, he's coming out of the pen, and he can't do that as a starter. That for me is a no brainer. Yeah, and I think there's this thing now in baseball. We spend all our time talking about, well, we don't want to get carried away with velocity. We don't want to live and die by the for radar him, gun. Do. Damn right we do. For him, you do. Absolutely, you got it. Use for some it. of them, you got it. Use it. That's what I kept saying. I I don't need to see 101 all the time. I do. But if you got it in your back pocket, throw it out there. I don't want to see 96 or 97. Yeah, it's 96. It's not playing. They got better swings. They let the ball travel more. That's eliminating the slider. His slider plays better with a hundo. Yep. Bafo. Numero deux. That's number two in French. Thank you. Roy in Oshawa asks you guys, did you see enough from Corey Dickerson to want him back? A lefty bat could do wonders for this lineup. Uh, To me, Corey Dickerson's on the team next year. I don't even think it's a question. Um, I know you, you would like a little... You'd like maybe a little more athleticism off the bench. You'd like a little more, you know, better ability to play defense. But, Mark, the guy hit some, he had some big hits this year. I, I love his approach. I, here, I don't think you can have two Corey Dickersons in your team, but I think you can have one. And, I, and Corey Dickerson coming up in the ninth inning of, a, of game two of the ALDS, I'm fine Is with that. Is that Randall Gritchick a, right, uh, a right-handed Corey Dickerson? Uh, well, he's better defensively. I, no, I have more faith in Corey Dickerson making contact. I don't know about you. I mean, you see him. You, you, you're a left-handed hitter. What do you see when you yeah, see him? I, I, look, I, I think if you can get better options, you, you want more athleticism. Corey, Corey, for me, Corey would have to show you he could hit velocity a little bit better than he showed okay. us this year. That's just me. The athleticism, the arm strength, he has neither one of those. Well, you know, defensively, yeah, I guess you can put him in left. He, he hits the ball right at him. And it, I, I guess... But I, yeah, he's okay. He's I'll okay as you, your twenty fifth you, or twenty. I'll ask you this: All If right. you're an opposing manager, does he instill fear in the eighth inning? He's on the on deck circle. He's making you think, "Oh no, no." But neither Corey does Dickerson. Neither, neither does Rugnit Odor. Well, well, every well, team. Where's, where's the Yankees at? Every no, but I'm saying yeah. Every team's got a guy. We're talking about the twenty fifth or twenty sixth guy in the team. That yeah. matters. Yeah, I. I mean. I'm okay with that's just me. I, I'm okay oh, with yeah. him. I'm okay with him coming back. I can take him or leave. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with him coming back. I think part of it will depend on what I do with third base. Mm. Do do I need? <clears throat> am I going to have Espinal plus a lefty? Am I going to need Espinal? Uh, pardon me. Am I going to need a lefty to platoon with Espinal? 
What do I do with Kevin Biggio? There are a lot of moving things here. But at the end of the day, like if I got Jose Ramirez on my team and Corey Dickerson's on the bench, boom, yeah, I'm fine I, with that. I, well, now you're... I'm fine with now that. Now you've loaded the, the deck here. I'm fine with that. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I, I, you know, look, I, I like I, I liked what I've seen from the guy. I, I like he's I really left-handed. Am. I just said... I like he's left-handed, not right-handed. Yeah. Mr. Boffo, number three. Well, you kind of touched on it there in uh, in that answer, but I'll ask you. Dave from Whitby would ask Ross Atkins, what do you do with Kevin Biggio? Put him in AAA? Yeah, I... I trade him if I have to trade him? Yeah, I, I think I've got to... Uh, how do I say this? I mean, I, 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 it's not a change of scenery guy because then that indicates that he's a bad guy and he's not a bad guy. He he's obviously He's obviously beloved in this organization. If for me, if Kevin Biggio is on the team at the start of the year, it means that I failed to get my left-handed bat in here and I've kind of punted. Not punted. No, that's not right. But I've I've used my money elsewhere and... You're being nice. Don't circle the wagon. No, I just... I... Could Kevin Biggio be on a, on a championship team and, mm. and, and be productive? Hmm. Can he level the big thing for me is the bent upper half. Can he fix that in the offseason? If you have any any thought whatsoever of him being on the team, if he comes back with that big giant uppercut swing that he has, he's not on your team. I, I will say this. I, I think uh, the, he is what he is. And the question is, is that good enough in a championship? Not like, you're, not, you're not gonna catch lightning. He's not gonna you're not gonna catch lightning in a bottle with I'd rather him. have Espinal. I'm uh, yeah, Espinal's Espinal's on my team. I just don't know if he's my everyday third baseman. But he's definitely on my team. He might be my second baseman next year, again, depending on how stuff works. But I've seen enough of him that I, I, I at least want to give him a shot. And the other thing about Santiago Espinal that I think you need to keep in mind, remember, this is a guy who spent a lot of time with Bo. This is a guy who stayed with Bo during the whole COVID thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going to tie the can, not tie the can, I hate using that word. Mm. If you're going to lose Marcus Simeon, I'm not saying you keep a guy just to keep everybody happy. But if you've got a guy who fits in really well with that clubhouse, with that dynamic, I think you keep him. Yeah, you, you said you can't have two Corey Dickerson's on your team. For me, you can't have Biggio and Espinal That's fair. in the lineup at the same time for a long period of time. That's fair. That's fair. But, I, I, again, I go back to the fact that I love what Espinal did in September. You know, the lights are the brightest. The pressure was on. Oh, I'll just ask you this. Ninth inning of a one-run game. Who do you want the ball hit to in the infield? That's, that's no question. It's Espinal. Absolutely. Yeah. So, or Simeon. Or Simeon. But yeah, that that's my that that's my Absolutely. Question. Could he make a move to second base, do you uh, think? Who? Santiago it's Espinal. Not a hard move. He's very athletic. He has fast he, twitch muscles. And you don't have to worry about he's the slide very, the slide very, at second base anymore is no longer nah, an issue. Not, just work on your pivot. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he he's very good in the shift. He has a strong enough arm that he could go in right field if they still let you do that. And catch balls from a left handed hitter. And crow hop and get it to first place. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I uh, he, he has been, I wouldn't say he's, yeah, he has. He was a revelation this year. I, I think he, he, he really was. I think the bow situation with him, with eliminating half the leg kick, with closing himself off a little bit more, just screams Dante and Bo. Give yourself a chance if you don't play every day to make contact. And solid contact. How would you do it? That giant leg kick opening up? No, that's not going to happen because that eliminates half your barrel. So what do you do? You close yourself off a little bit. You keep your front side in. You eliminate the leg kick so you're a little bit quicker to your athletic position. That gives you a chance. You have a chance. You're productive. You're in the lineup. 
You make more money because you're in the big leagues. I got something we can talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at some point next week, or maybe, uh, maybe we can fit it in. But uh, Major League Baseball has announced the experimental rules it's using in the minor leagues. Arizona uh, Fall League. In the Arizona Fall League. I'm I'll sorry. I'm that league. Yeah, which is the league, for those of you who don't know, it's the league where all the prospects, everybody, it's mm-hmm. the league where all the prospects play. Yeah. Everybody who's, anybody thinks is ever going to be any good plays in this league, they're thinking of using a bunch of things. Pitch timer, restriction on defensive positioning, larger bases, and they're using the automatic ball strike system. Most importantly, this is what I want baseball to bring in. Pitchers and catchers are also going to be printed, permitted to use what is called PitchCom, a pitcher-catcher communication device. So no more of that nonsense with signals or anything like that. Basically, catcher's got a mouthpiece. He goes, really? fastball. Yep, I don't want the signals. I don't want any of this, this nonsense. Right. That'll speed up the game. That'll speed up the game. There's Anyhow. like three or four of those I could go off on. Yeah, we got time. Yeah. I just figured I'd throw it out there because that's, that's something. I'm not a, I don't really care about the automatic ball and strike system. I just want I, – I think it's dumb that we're still using like the, the whole bigger base thing. thing. They're, yeah. they're, they're making it easier on people that don't know how to steal bases. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Trying to create some action. There you go. That is it for us. We will be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.